Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. If you have your Bible with you today, I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. From Genesis chapter 3, I would also like you to hold a place at Matthew chapter 27 and also in Hebrews chapter 4. I want you to understand <clears throat> that what you and I are experiencing right now is exactly what we were designed for. You and I were created to share fellowship with our Heavenly Father. You were designed, that is the specific purpose of your creation, was to share fellowship with our Heavenly Father. In the opening scenes of creation, the Lord is seen shaping man from the dust of the earth. And then as it is recorded in Scripture, God breathes his very own breath into his lungs and man becomes a living being. This very act is distinguishing between man and the rest of creation that we were meant to have a different and a more intimate relationship with God than any of the rest of his creation. The act of breathing life into the clay creature portrays the personal intimacy of relationship between God and humans. And intimacy is often defined as close familiarity or friendship. God was never, it was never intended that we know God from a distance. But we know him close that we know him intimately. And we often describe our relationship with God, you'll hear this term used oftentimes as communion. We want to commune with God. We want to share communion. And when I say communion, you're probably thinking of an act during a religious ceremony wherein we observe the Lord's Supper. And that's certainly one definition of it, but there's also another and deeper meaning of that word. And communion is defined as the sharing or the exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings. Do you know that God wants to speak to you today? God wants to impart to you today His will and His desires. You know, we, we get that, we are so self-centered that when we read the verse that says that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he'll give us the desires of our heart, that we take that to mean that if we, just, if we do the right things from a religious perspective, then God's going to give us everything that we want. No. If you will delight yourself in the Lord, he has things that you know not of, that he wants to speak into your life, that he wants to change the way that you desire and the things that you think and the things that you seek after. He wants to give you the pursuits of your life. And communion is, is that is that exchange of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially when the exchange is on the mental or spiritual level. This is what we were created to experience with God. And this was what was experienced by Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. 
in, in Genesis, when God created the heavens and the earth, he also created the man and the woman, Adam and Eve, and God had friendship with Adam and Eve. He had friendship. They walked together. They talked together. There was no religion, no ceremony, and there was no separation. And then sin entered the world, and we don't, we're not going to go through all that this morning, but sin entered the world, and Adam and Eve ate from the tree of good and evil, and the one thing that God had asked them not to do, they transgressed. And from then on, there has been sin and in the, in the world, as well as separation between God and men and women. And after that sinful act, the Bible, the very, a few verses down, Genesis 3, verse 8, it says that Adam and Eve heard a sound. They heard a sound. It says, verse 8, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. Oh, my God. Mm. Shame, shame, shame because of the shame of their transgression they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord I'm, I'm coming back to it because I can't get over it that I feel like there was somebody here this morning that was right on the cusp of breakthrough but because of shame you hid yourselves in this moment from the presence of the Lord but they hid themselves from the Lord God among the trees of the garden now Listen to this. Here's, here's the interesting thing. I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not. Brandon sang earlier, I hear the sound. And sometimes we hear a sound that's indistinguishable to us. We don't know what it is, and we say, what was that sound? Was it thunder? Was it dynamite? Was it a train wreck? We don't know. But we heard a sound. But it doesn't say in Genesis 3.8 that they heard a sound. It says they heard the sound. There's some things you hear and you know what you've heard when you hear it, right? Because experientially, you know what it sounds like. They had experienced and they knew what it sounded like when their heavenly father was coming through that garden to share fellowship and intimacy with them. They knew what it was to hear the sound of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. It wasn't an unfamiliar sound to them. And they didn't hide out of uncertainty. They hid out of shame. It wasn't that they heard something and said, is that a lion or a tiger or a bear? Oh my. No, they knew it was the presence of their father coming through the garden and they hid themselves. It says that they heard a distinct sound, the sound of God walking in the garden. And from this account, it appears that the sound of the Lord's arrival was a very familiar sound. And their, their response to this familiar sound was to hide. It wasn't that they were surprised by the sounds of the Lord's arrival that caused their retreat. The cause of their retreat was because of the sh their shame in the presence of the Lord. And in response to this scenario, we read one of the most tragic of all the verses in Scripture. Genesis 3, 16 through 19. Read that on your own time. 
but you'll, you and I can read, and it, it's there God pronounces a curse over creation. And you and I live with the consequences of this curse day after day, all of our lives. And, and however bad you think this is, it's not even close to the worst thing about this scenario. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. All the pain and child labor and working from the sweat of your brow and, and dying a physical death, none of that is the worst part of any of this. The worst part of any of this is found beginning in verse 23 where it says, Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden. The phrase sent him out in the Hebrew is actually defined by many as drove away. Drove him away. The operative word here is away. The psalmist prayed in Psalm 51 after his fall with Bathsheba and his heart's cry and plea was create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from your presence. But here we see that very thing. Adam and Eve are being driven away from the presence of God. Now it gets worse. And it says, verse 24, so he drove out the man. And he placed cherubim at the east of the garden with a flame and sword which turned every way to guard the tree of life. Now that same Hebrew word here used that is translated drove out is other places in scripture translated into the word divorce. So in that moment of man's sin, of man's fall, he was driven out of God's presence and divorced from the presence of God. Does it, are you with me? So here's the gravity of this action. The man was driven not only away from the garden, but also from a meaningful relationship and interaction in the presence of God. In other words, there was a divorce that took place. And you all know how that works. In a divorce... I'm over here and you're over there, but we don't share the same fellowship and intimacy that we shared before. You may know about me, but you won't know the deep secrets of my heart. I will never again sit with you in intimacy and share with you the deep details of my life. That makes, you, you, you following that? You got it? We don't interact the same way. There's no more communion. There's no more communion because there's sin. Fast forward to the time of Moses and you see God negotiating a system with Moses, a, a covenant of sorts, and whereby some sense of fellowship might be restored. Exodus chapter 25, the Lord speaks to Moses and says, Let them make me a sanctuary and I will dwell among them. Make me an ark, which would become symbolic of the manifest presence of God. And verse 22 of chapter 25, it says, And there I will meet with you and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are on the ark of the testimony about everything which I will give you in commandment. To the children of Israel. And listen, verse 45, chapter 29, Exodus 29, 45. And I will dwell among 
the children of Israel, and I will be their God. Now, the operative word here is among. I drove you away. Sin calls separation. But in this new covenant, I'm going to come and dwell among. There are people here a day, today who are among us, but maybe you don't know them. There are people that are joining us online, and they are among us, but we don't know them. You don't know them the way that you know the person who's next to you, with whom you share friendship and communion and fellowship. They're among you. And then God speaks, Exodus 26, and says, And you shall hang the veil from the clasps, and then you shall bring the ark of the testimony in here, behind the veil, and the veil shall be a divider for you between the holy place and the most holy place. In other words, God said, I'm going to come and dwell among them, and you're going to set up a veil that's going to divide my presence from theirs. In other words, I'll still be around. But you're not going to interact with me in the way that Adam did. In fact, my presence is going to be veiled in the Holy of Holies. You're not just going to come in here any kind of way. As a matter of fact, that's almost exactly, in, in my translation of Leviticus 16.2, that's exactly what God said to Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and your brother not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil. You don't, you don't come into my presence just any kind of way. No, once a year after much laborious preparation, Aaron and the lineage of high priests after him were allowed once a year on the Day of Atonement to come into the Holy of Holies and stand in the presence of God as a mediator between God and the common man. The closest that you and I could come to the presence of God was to send somebody. Would you, Aaron, would you go and stand for me before the presence of God? Make sacrifice on my behalf before the presence of God. Commune and fellowship with the Spirit on my behalf before the presence of God. But I can't go. I have to stay in the outer court. I can't go in. No man was allowed into the holy place besides the high priest. The regular person needed a mediator, someone to enter into the presence of the Lord on their behalf. And all of these things, understand this, were types and foreshadowings of things that was to come. It was still incomplete. It still didn't grant sinful humanity full access to the presence of God. It was so limited in its effectiveness that it had to be repeated annually. It was still outside of God's intended design and purpose for our lives to live in fellowship with Him and have communion with Him. But thanks be to God, however, that Jesus Christ came and he mediated a new covenant for us that through the shed blood of Jesus Christ we can have access full and free to the presence of God in our lives. Paul wrote to Timothy and says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ. 
and he didn't come to bargain with the holiness of God with such things as the blood of bulls and of goats and rams, but with his precious blood, he has negotiated a new covenant for us. And Hebrews chapter 8 says this, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also a mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises. Somebody look at somebody right now and say, I've got a better promise. And hanging on the cross of Calvary, we see our Savior mediating on our behalf. What was incomplete in the old system in that it still left us void of first-hand communion and fellowship with Almighty God. This new covenant would complete in that now we, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, can come boldly before the throne of grace and stand justified through the blood of Jesus Christ, righteous in the sight of God because of the atoning work of Jesus over my life. Now covered by the blood of Jesus, there's no longer sin's presence that keeps us separated. Now where once God had only dwelt among his people in the sanctuary, he has now made his sanctuary and his dwelling place in our hearts. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He no longer is separated from us. He no longer dwells among us, but he resides in us. First John 4, 15 says, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Fellowship, communion has been restored. Relationship Access has been granted. Matthew chapter 27, here we go, beginning in verse 45. We, we zoom in now on that terrible scene on Golgotha's hill. And we see our Savior struggling up that hillside, bearing a cross that belonged to you and I, paying the penalty for our sin. And as he is there hanging on that cross, suffering and dying, we read these words beginning in verse 45, and it says, Now from the sixth hour until the ninth there was darkness over the land. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there when they heard this said, This man is calling for Elijah. And immediately one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and they offered it to him to drink. And the rest said, let him alone. Let's see if Elijah will come and save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and he yielded up his spirit. And then behold, Then behold, then behold, that very place where God said, I'm going to confine my presence to the exclusion of the common man. That very thing that they were instructed to hang up as a separator and a divider. 
between the presence of God and sinful humanity. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And the earth quaked and the rocks were split. Through the blood of Jesus, I, I no longer, I can sense God's presence in my life. And I no longer have to retreat in shame because he bore my sin the handwriting of the ordinances that were against me he has taken them away and nailed them to the cross and they no longer hold any charge over my life and if you're anything like me sometimes on a Sunday morning when the presence of God is so rich the power of God is so present the thing that you hear in the back of your mind is every fault and every failure and every shortcoming and every way that you blew it the week before. Why are you standing with your hands raised? What if, what if somebody in this room saw the way you behaved in that particular situation this week. Why do, you, why do you have the liberty to lift your hands in the presence of the Lord? You're not worthy. No, you're not. But we no longer have to hide our shame under the cover of our own making and retreat from the presence of God. I no longer have to have someone to serve as a go-between because I'm not fit for the presence of God because through the shed blood of Jesus Christ I have been justified. I, I no longer have to undergo long rituals and exact legal standards to find some degree of atonement for my sins that have separated me from the presence of my Lord because Jesus on the cross of Calvary has mediated for me a better and more lasting covenant with my Heavenly Father. Seeing then that we have such a great high priest, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but in all points was tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need for several weeks now we've been revisiting the cross of Calvary and we've been reacquainting ourselves with exactly why it is that the old rugged cross so despised by the world holds a wondrous attraction to us And for those who were buried under the weight of our iniquity and bore the shame thereof, 
One of the glories and wonders of the cross is that at the cross we find access. The doors fling wide. If we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The very thing that separated us and caused there to be a gulf between us and our Heavenly Father, Jesus filled in with His work on Calvary. And at the cross, we find access to commune with our Heavenly Father, to to find an ever-present help in the time of need, to make our requests known to God, to offer to Him our fears, our concerns, our anxious thoughts. The weight of this world at the cross, we find access I want to invite you to stand. There's someone who's hearing my voice this morning. Or maybe I'm even speaking prophetically to someone who's going to catch this later on a podcast or a replay of a video. I don't know. But somebody hearing my voice and the weight of your guilt the shame of your iniquity has kept you from the presence of God the voice of the adversary has continually hurled accusation at your life to the point that you don't believe that God could ever love somebody like you But the word speaks contrary to that in saying that it was while we were yet sinners. If you look around you, if you look throughout humanity, you will never find anyone who was fit or worthy that our Lord would lay down his life for them. While we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. And he died for us that we no longer have to wander through this world void of the presence of God, but that through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we could enter in to the Holy of Holies and we could pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, with all the confidence of sons and daughters, we can stand and we can call out to our Father. And as Jeremiah says, we do that with the understanding and the knowledge that we will find Him when we seek Him with our whole heart. He's not hidden from us. He may be veiled by our own shame and insecurity, but He's not hidden from us. Access has been granted. We can enter in. Today you can enter in. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. 
If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.